Hello and welcome to another episode of After the Whistle, a sports podcast from the Burlington Free Press. I'm staff writer Austin Danforth, and we've got ourselves in the same room again, Alex. This is this is just wild. It's been a while, hasn't it? I know. When's the last time this happened? The last time we taped a podcast, maybe? Yeah. When was that? I don't know. The what's, what's happened since then? A lot has happened, and we haven't had time to sit down to digest it in this form. How do we do it? I don't even I don't even remember how we do this. Do you? I don't know. We just talk. That's it? That's the, that's that's it. the whole thing? Yeah, I try to sound smart. Okay. Easier for some of us than others. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, boy, do we have some stuff to talk about, though. Jeez. We were just, we were just looking at the, uh, the files, and we haven't done this since, what was it, like... Two weeks, right? At least two weeks. So we took a week off. Not not too bad. Yeah, but it felt like forever. It's going on three because it's the end of the second week. I'm an old man now. <laughs> <laughs> you turn 31 on Sunday. Yeah, I'm an old man. You're, and in, you're deep into the 30s now. Oh, I didn't, didn't not just dipping a toe in anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, so since we last spoke with microphones in front of us, uh, UVM won the America East Championship and made it to the NCAA tournament, and then bowed out of the NCAA tournament. Uh, UVM hockey bowed out of its season, and we finished all of the high school sports. All of them. All of them. Champions crowned everywhere. Uh, Many, many champions, so we have much to get to. Uh, But I guess probably the biggest, best place to start is Milwaukee. Yeah. Or do we walk it back, we go... Do we do we do the uh, the plane tracker here like you? <laughs> we want to build toward that. Yeah, I mean, okay, the, let's build toward the, that. This jet setting situation we had. Start with the uh, America East Championship. Yeah, that was a a strange game when you think about it. Yeah, totally. almost almost like he expected it, though. In a lot of ways, with Will Brown and, and Albany slowing the game down and playing it more in their favor. And then it didn't look good for, you know, toward the end. Of the, what, what, it was eight and a half to go, I think. Yeah, it was 8.45 to go. It was, they were down, UVM was down nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like this whole season, this this magical ride they've been on, having not lost since December 21st, and they're going to lose on their home floor and not go to the big dance. And in a game like that, I mean, low scoring, the final score was in the 50s. Nine points in a game like that is, you know, 20% of the game. Yeah. So it, it, nine points feels like 20. Even your most ardent UVM fan had to have been thinking, oh, boy, this is this is not going to end, end here we, well. Here we go again. Here we go again. Will Brown's going to be cutting the nets down again at Patrick Chen. Yeah. But not the case. As um, as we all know now, because it's it's been a couple weeks, but yeah, UVM rallied and, and kind of showed what they've been showing all year, where they they didn't come unraveled. They were they had the poise to to reach down. They were make, a different UVM team, yeah, and make the key buckets, get the key stops, and that was what I mean. They still didn't shoot very well down the stretch, but they made enough of the big shots, and then because a lot of it was free throw line stuff to seal it and, and whatever, and then right, and then their defense, which has really been their calling card all year. Um, to shut down Albany right. down the stretch. And then I wrote about it two days later, right before I left, or as I was in the air to Milwaukee, about Kurt Steidel's two big shots. 
that kind of the, the first one kind of like woke him up again and gave him life that long three and then the three to tie it at um I want to say at 48 uh or yes at 50, yeah or at, at fi- 48 yeah and then that kind of and that and that three kind of like okay we're now we're we're even. Oh, was it 50 50? It might have been 50 50. It's so long I ago. Know. Too many things have happened since and then. And I don't have the box score right in front of me. Yeah, I should know. But yeah. either way, it tied the game. And then from there, uh, UVM got the upper hand. And the point being, hopefully, listeners will excuse your, your lack of knowing the exact score at that time two games ago because you've only written about 6,000 words <laughs> on UVM basketball since then, maybe more. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I think more because probably we've had, more. Issue, we've had things this week since they've uh, bowed out. Yeah. So sure. so championship party at Patrick Gym day after Selection Sunday. We find out they got a 13 seed in the NCAA tournament, going to Milwaukee. Union made beer, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they got to play Purdue. Yeah, I think at the start, it's, we were both there at Selection Show at Alumni House. Um, I think they kind of liked the matchup at first. Like maybe they didn't want West Virginia or whatever. Or it wasn't impossible. It wasn't impossible. But as we start to, as we got to know the Purdue get team a little bit more, it's like they got a lot of size and they have some shooters. Right. So it ended up being a really it. It was a as Becker said um, in the post after the loss. It was a good matchup. It wasn't a great matchup for us, and that kind of panned out when UVM played a great game, was with them pretty much for 36 minutes, had had a couple five or six point leads in the first half. Yep, and then and then the, the injury to Steidel, who yeah, tore, Kurt Steidel goes down with an AC, which we find out days later is an ACL injury. But you knew at the time when he went down that he wasn't coming back. Right, whether it was ACL or anything else or or whatever, like you just knew he wasn't coming back. He was down long enough, and he was limping coming off the. And the, the court. look on his face, it's yeah. Right. I mean, it, he, he pounded he, the the court too, like soon after it he happened. Almost, it, almost like he knew right in the moment yeah. that I'm done. Yeah, and that hurt because not just his scoring, because you can make that up in other ways. It, it was his his leadership and his really his defensive. Um, performance right and when co- coaches throw around the term glue guy a little too loosely but when he guy like Kurt Steidel is your lead your your leading minutes guy that's you, you literally hold the team together when you're out there yeah. longer than anybody yeah and that cha- and that forced Becker to change changes um, rotations a little bit and it wasn't they didn't have the best um approach that their approach had to change going to the second half and yeah that, and that um allowed Purdue to open up a lead and then Vermont was playing catch up for pretty much the entire. What was the kid that torched him there, Edwards? Yeah, uh, Vincent Edwards. Vincent Edwards. Yeah, he had fifteen at twenty. Fifteen of his twenty-one in the second half. After Steidel went out. Yeah. Um, But so yeah, even to get to Milwaukee, that was a whole thing with the the weather coming through. You missed that great blizzard. Just the big big storm. I could hear you sounded so disappointed when you were (laughs) getting on the charter flight to Milwaukee. Yeah. And Monday night when I got there. Went to a bar across the street from the hotel, like a pub, whatever. Get some food. World's best cheeseburger on the menu. How did how to live up to expectations? And I knew I, when I would, I was starving. I had hadn't eaten since I left um, Burlington, and 
It's like it's not going to be the best cheeseburger I've ever had. Forget just about bad, being bad the, feeling going into it. What? Like it's just not going to be. I mean, how are you going to live up to the world's greatest cheeseburger? I mean, I've had an, enough cheeseburgers or burgers in Burlington that are better. You're either the best or you're a bust. That you, you, it can only it can go it can go one yeah, of two ways. Yeah. I just had a feeling it wasn't going to be that good, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was a bust. Ah. Uh, I still you ate. Persevered. Yeah. You persevered. I mean, you're still burgers are still good no matter how you slice it. But <laughs> put life on the road. <laughs> but it was you know, the, the beer was better than the, the burger. Okay. So, uh, and that's of, of course enjoyed responsibly if you're of age. Yes. Uh, so you, you go through. I mean, you filed a whole bushel full of stories from Milwaukee on the Catamounts and their run. The game unfolds. You come back the next day. And then what's happened since? Well, you know, there's been obviously there's been chatter about John Becker and whether or not he would leave UVM mm-hmm. for a, a new job. And hot mid-major coach, hot, hot team. Yeah, and we saw this coming a couple months ago, where like his name is being thrown out there by national media. Yep, as as a potential coach who could be on the move, or a coach who could be on the move potentially, and. Among the flavors of the month. Yeah, and you see this, I mean, every time a mid-major coach uh, leads his team to, like, you know, the NCAA tournament on this. And, and UVM was entered the tournament on a 21-game winning streak, the longest in the nation. They the first team to go 16-0 and in America East Conference history. Right. So I, people nationally started to be aware of UVM and, and, and Becker. And Becker has been here this is sixth season. So... You kind of got a feeling, winner, no matter where they bowed out, there were there was going to be some chatter. There's going to be some rumors circulating on 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 Becker being tied to jobs, or at least being a candidate for for other jobs that were opening up. Right. And so Monday morning, you went over to the Becker household in Burlington to talk to uh, John Becker for the sort of a season wrap. Yeah, story. it was a season wrap story. But then you I'll put just, it to him. Yeah. And you know. Uh, like there were there was hints at like maybe what he he was thinking. Yeah, he basically said like it's going to take a lot for for him to leave. Right. Uh, he loves it here. His family loves it here. He's building something here, uh, and they want to continue to grow that. And and he was alluding to that with, with uh, the next day with other media outlets. He he, he kind of expanded upon that, and he kind of really made it aware that we need the arena and we need it now. Right. And, um, yeah, and like in very, very blunt terms, like, yeah, sort of like eye popping, like, huh? He said that? Yeah, like we haven't really gotten that open from our checkbooks. a UVM administrator before or right? coach. Yeah. Like in, in those, in, in that type of like the, the men's team has been so good for so long and especially this year and to do it without an arena, Right. I mean, like it, we, the, the carrot on the end of the stick has been dangled out there for a decade. Yeah. It's sort of rotted and it's like, what's going on? Obviously, they put a new carrot out there now with the new arena proposal. But the point being, it's just been dangling. It's never gotten any closer. Yeah. And the team has done its part. I think that was that was also what John was saying in the uh, in the in his final presser. Exactly. Like, we've done all this work. We've done we put all this in. All these last few years, last 10 years or whatever for a program. And now it's time that we need to reap that, you know, we need, we, the resources have to get better. 
the commitment has to get better from the community. Like he, he's talking community. Uh, he's talking broadly here. Yeah. But, university, yeah. community, fans, all that stuff. Um, yeah. And then in the middle of that, oddly enough, he was accused of uh, being teleportation, being in two places right. at once. Yeah. Sort of alternate reality. Uh, people on Twitter are saying they spotted him at Duquesne as he was addressing the local media. Yeah. Uh, but it came out, I mean, he turned down an offer to take the Duquesne job in Pittsburgh. Yeah, the next day, that news came out, uh, and he had turned it down the day before. I'm not sure the time, the timeline where, where it um, lines up with his press conference and, and when he turned it down. But uh, clearly, that I mean, that doesn't seem like a job that would he would he would leave UVM for. No. Uh, even mean, though it is in a, in a better conference in the A-10, like, in my, I mean, I haven't, we haven't spoken about this yet, but my like speculative read of that situation was almost like, I'll look at Duquesne and then you can say, I turned down Duquesne to stay here because this is what needs to happen. It almost like a one, two thing with uh, the, the, the tone he took in, in his final press conference there combined with the story that I said no to a school. I could have left you guys for, for like the, that one-two combination, maybe yeah. for effect. Yeah, he, and he also said like nothing serious has come his way. Like, I, who know? What if like a UMass or a Georgetown, right, comes knocking on the door? I mean, that's because he's been in the conversation for those two as well. Yeah, Quinnipiac in uh, in Connecticut. So it, it seems to have died down, but it has. Coaching but like the stuff co- is never coaching, over. The coaching carousel. Like, look, like they yesterday. The, uh, John Thompson the third got fired, and that could be a domino effect. Right, people with, keep pumping quarters into yeah. the carousel, and it yeah. goes around. And you got private jets flying from place right. to place. UMass has to find another head coach after after the guy left him at the altar yesterday. Pat Kelsey, Pat Kelsey going the back. Winthrop, yeah. yeah. So, um, but I I kind of like you you listened to the press conference that he had on campus. Yeah, what, 15, 17 minutes. Like it it was impassioned. Like, oh, totally. Like, I don't think it's where he he's he's trying to look for another job, and this is like. And you you we we've had this conversation where you've never gotten that sense from him either in all your conversations. Like, it's never been about necessarily jumping the ladder. No, right? I've never or gotten that like sense. That. I I think he loves it here. I think he's he's shown that he could build a winner. Like this is six years now, and they've. Not just build, sustain. sustain, I mean, sustain that's, that's yeah, the thing. I'm he, sorry. I should have said, yeah, sustain. Hasn't skipped but, a beat. Hasn't skipped a beat. But really taking it to – well, I did say in, in my post-game or post-season story, he took it to another level. Like this team took it to another level. But there's still that – the 05 team is still the the golden season. Right. Obviously. But they haven't been – this is the best season since then. And it's, it's the best season any school, like numbers-wise, has assembled in America East ever. Yeah. I mean, just... Yeah, I mean, the conference is not as good as it once was, but... There were good teams in that conference then, too, that couldn't yes, do that. Exactly. Uh, but, okay. Well, that, so that's... that's. Are we up to speed with UVM hoops now? Anything I think so. Else? I mean, nothing else should pop up. Okay. Right? No, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure something will break as soon as we go back up to the newsroom after I hit save on this, uh, this file. Uh, but, okay, so how about we take a quick break, come back, and hit high school playoffs?
Okay, and we're back, Alex. Uh, time to talk. Hockey. <laughs> you want hockey or basketball hockey. or what? Because I, I missed most of that hockey stuff. Yeah, so. you did. Yeah. Oh. And I missed the boys, the D1 boys final. Yeah. You, this is what happens. This is, this, is, this is what happens when UVM hits it big and you got to start <laughs> flying around the country. Uh, we're actually going to start with boys basketball. Okay. Because there was a little bit of history there. I don't know if you saw that in the newspaper. A little bit I, of history. I read it. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. You still a subscriber? Yep. Okay. Every day. <laughs> so what do you want to know? What do you want to know? I want to know about Rutland, like the look on Mike Wood's face after ending <laughs> 50 years. 50-year drought. Frustration. Uh, like relief. Oh, he like he he was so serene. I, I probably haven't seen anyone that serene in a long time. He would have given the Dalai Lama a run for his money. <laughs> uh, he, I mean, yeah, it, what he's been through, just what he's been through coaching that team the last decade. They've been to the Patrick seven times, never broken through. Uh, there's only a couple other teams that have been there that many times. One of them's Rice, and the other one's Burlington, who've been there that often and. They're the ones that have come home with the championship. Rutland hasn't, except this time. And, I mean, sitting next to the guys from the Rutland Herald, Bob Fredette and uh, Carlton Laird, they actually didn't feel that bad when it went to OT because Rutland had the lead. CVU closed the gap in the last minute. Josh Bliss got a steal and uh, the tying basket there with about 30 seconds to go for CVU. And you're thinking, geez, one of these teams is going to lose a crusher. <laughs> but it really wasn't because Rutland came out, knocked, Kyle Casarino knocked down a couple early free throws. CVU really couldn't couldn't get anything to go in OT, and Rutland did its part, and they won. But credit to, to CVU, obviously, for in their first championship game ever, pushing it to OT against a team that was probably favored to win from day one. Um, but, yeah, you could tell – that when the the Rutland half of Patrick Jim was pretty much completely full, mm-hmm. 35, 40 minutes before tip off, that's tells you how big that game was for that community. Was it a full house? Not quite. It was, uh, I think, just shy of thirty one hundred. That's pretty good for a non Rice Rice Burlington final. Yeah, it was. It was three thousand plus, uh, and it, it was it was good atmosphere. Once it got really going there in the fourth quarter. Both both student sections start chirping at each other. It was that that was when it got fun, um, but yeah, that was you got you, you almost just have to say congrats to Rutland because that's a heck of a story. It is. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I, and I've seen most of Woods's Rutland's team lose at, at Patrick. And it's yeah, just, and I've talked to him most of the times afterward. And just like like we're we're objective, but it's just like you got to feel for the guy. Right. After like loss after loss, all these losses to Rice too. Like the one that stood out was the eleven final. Where like they had a team that could have won. Oh. And they were up probably should have won. They're up five or six or seven at some point in that game. And then like right there was like a big momentum swing in Rice's favor in the last three or four minutes of that game and then all of a sudden Rice had the had the title won. But like that Rutland team was really good with uh Snyder and, and Davin yeah. leading the way. Oh yeah, that that was a great crew. Um yeah. But this is the one that got it done. With the starting five, I think in the, in the power rankings today, I put out for the the final uh, power rankings of the season. You know, there were the ghosts of 1967 sort of haunting that school, 
and now you got the heroes of, of 2017, 50 years later. You know, you got Nathaniel Kingsley, Kyle Casarino, Matt Lorman, who had a game high, I think it was 18 points that day mm-hmm. against CVU, Noah Tyson and Tyrell Johnson, that starting five. They were uh, they they weren't going to be denied. They're in the playoffs. They held their first three opponents to 38 points apiece, and CVU didn't even beat that in no 37, right? Yeah, 37 in 36 minutes of basketball. That's 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 some championship caliber defense. Yeah, kind of went unnoticed a little bit, right? A little bit. I mean, because a couple of those early wins were pretty lopsided, so you yeah. sort of sort of forget about how big the win was. Um, and just how effective they were on defense. But uh, they were very, very effective. Did Lorman led them in scoring against Burlington too, right? Or was that – no, Kingsley did, right? That yeah, I believe it was Kingsley. But yeah. Lorman had a great day when they played and beat Rice at Rice. And he was sort of like kind of the, the, the other guy who actually made most teams pay. I think by the sounds of it, he was their most consistent scoring threat actually throughout the season. Um which is saying a lot considering who was on that team. But, uh, yeah, that was D1. And uh, I guess probably natural to talk about the other three, the the Barry games. Yeah. And Dunk City got it done in D2. 24. Should we stop and pat me on the back for picking all the champs? Or no? No. Okay. You don't need any more patting on the back. Did I? I I may have put it off on the girls' side, too. Who knows? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I have to look it up. <laughs> no, I I definitely didn't because I didn't pick Lyndon. So okay, but then, I think it was three out of four. Okay, well, four out of four. Trump's three out of four. So okay, good for you. Uh, yeah, but D two Enosburg Dunk City twenty four and zero, um, and took it took a you know they had to sort of unseat the Cinderella I didn't see coming in Mount St Joseph. Uh, MSJ tied it up, took the lead actually late in the fourth quarter. Enosburg got back level. And then Calvin Carter, uh, recently named the Gatorade Player of the Year, stepped up to the foul line, knocked down two free throws with uh, less than five seconds to go. And then, you know, that was the difference. I think it was 56-54 for Enosburg's first championship ever in boys basketball. And then he he sealed it with the – the steal, the steal, the yeah. deflection, uh, so they couldn't get a shot off. Or right, whatever. so MSJ didn't even get the chance to to rebut. But mm-hmm. uh, you got a feel for those kids because they've built to this season, starting when they were sophomores, made the championship game as a seven seed two years ago, got back to Barry last year, got upset, and then you know this year, you know they were sort of the marked team and they were pounding teams, and I caught a little flack for maybe ranking them too high, but then. <laughs> I keep hearing from other people, could they really play with them? Are they as good as CVU or Rutland? How would that go? And like, we'll never know, but they were, they were damn good. We'll never know, but that's just the fun of it. So, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, sure. I mean, they beat Francisco three times and Francisco beat Rice at least once, but, but yeah, that was their, they were D one final four team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that D two D three, it was a rematch of Hazen and Williamstown. Williamstown pulls off the, the fifth title in six years with the win against uh, the Wildcats, and who are the defending champs. And, I mean, pretty much that's this last decade in D3, and they started it in D4, but the small school hoops has belonged to uh, the team we call Billtown. Yeah. Just, yeah, Carrier's got 
quite the run going on. Yeah, Jack Carrier, the coach, coach. Jack Carrier, yeah. And then his, his son, um, the state Brandon, Brandon, Carrier. Brandon Carrier, yeah, with the three point record for the state. Most three pointers in state in state history. Hit the thousand point mark this year. Yeah. I believe he's over five hundred assists for his career. Um, you probably you'll you'll probably see his name elsewhere in the coming weeks, as we'll we'll mention later. Uh, but d, so D three champ Williamstown, D four my Phantoms, upset number one. The, the, albeit they were the second seed, upset top seeded uh, Twinfield in the set in the championship game again. Uh, and this one wasn't as close as their last couple. Well, the last couple were like twenty point thriller. No, right? thr- they were so no tw- like in the twenties or thir- low thirties, right? Two years ago, the the championship that started it went to like double or single at least one overtime. I think it was two against Rivendell, and it, that was sort of a, a higher scoring, but clearly tense and tight affair. And then last year was a, a you know just a grinder. I think it was thirty two thirty or something like that uh, wait, against. Wait, two Winfield. years ago was the. Tremendous comeback. Yes, it minute, was. Right? Yeah. yeah. Down in seven or ten. or I, I Apologies to the well, folks yeah. that... We can't remember last week. We're not going to remember two years ago. Yeah. I, this <laughs> We're not here to complain, but we've been pretty much dialed on to work for the last month straight. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, Proctor, they reign in, D, in D4 with the three-peat. And uh, Alex, let's go to girls basketball. Okay. Uh, and... We were both there for the D1 final. You'd, you'd made it back. Yeah, made it back the night before or the day before. And, uh, Midday. So, what, I mean, so that's that's a pretty nice consolation. After UVM losing, I get to cover the D1 girls hoops final. Yeah, 5 Pete. Yeah, 5 Pete for CVU, Uda Otley. That's, uh ties a record, uh, D1 record um, shared with Essex of the 90s, mid-90s teams. Yep. And if you want to go both genders, obviously yeah. Mount Anthony, uh, they had their own five peat, the only one in boys basketball in Vermont from ni- 88 to 92. Yeah, and you had a cool nugget that you dug up mid- oh, yeah. mid-game. Like if it worked out in CVU's favor, you were going to toss that in your story. Right, that CVU having won five straight championships at Patrick Gym, uh, Uda Otley matches MAU coach Dave Fredrickson for the most consecutive wins at uh, Patrick Gym of any High school coach. Yeah. And because Essex girls were playing at Barry at the time back in the 90s, which is Correct. why you can't yep. tally the same amount of wins. Right. But uh, pretty rarefied air there. And this probably wasn't the one that people would have seen coming for the Red Hawks. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's still like, well, I'll see it when I believe it in terms of someone knocking off CVU at the, on this stage. But still, like, yeah, no Sadie Otley, no Lord, Laurel Jonick. A lot of new faces and a lot of new faces leading the team. Like it was a whole new leadership group. Yeah, because they had what eight seniors last they had eight year. Eight seniors and like seven of them play. Like the one that didn't play was Emma Hess because of her um, knee injury. Knee injury. But so you had seven or eight leaders from last year, and they they're gone. They graduate. And they eight. were just totally green. Yeah, and it, so it wasn't just um the talent it was it was who was going to lead them on a day outside of the coach coaching staff who was going to lead them on a day-to-day basis and in intense moments on the court who's going to lead them who's going to step up who's going to assert themselves as uh uda ali pointed out the the sort of nugget about you know having you know the firstborn kids being the leaders on those those other teams versus now it's the you know the the younger sisters are the kids that have to be leaders, and that might not be the most natural thing for them. And it wasn't. 
It, yeah, it, it wasn't. And it, like, I mean, so basically they had to build and hope it would take root an entire new dynamic for that team. Yeah. And there were bumps in the road. There was the Rice loss, end of the 96 game winning streak, the longest and uh, longest modern rec- modern streak in uh, Vermont basketball. And then the BFA Comet Kryptonite. Yep. They, they got swept by BFA in both games. They kind of cracked under the pressure. Yep. Whether it was up at, in Franklin County or in their own gym. And and the one silver lining from those losses was they they found a way they 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 learned from those losses they figured out like had had to win from from those defeats yeah had to had to close out a game or had to come back from a deficit once you experience the you know you experience that atmosphere and, and then you. You, you know lose, what it feels you like. You know what it feels like. Even if it's a loss, you know what it feels like, and you can get better from that, and you can learn from that. And, and that's what CVU did. And you, they, they were a better, way better basketball team in March than they, than they were in December. Oh, that's yeah. That's what every coach tries to, tries to do. But like they actually they went out and did it, and, and they got a, one for the thumb, five-peat. By the time I took over the, the beat when you jetted off to the NCAAs and I parachuted it in for the, the final four – they looked like the most comfortable team in that gym. Yeah. They, I mean, St. Jay was great. Sadie Stetson is phenomenal. They had the, the, the thrilling OT buzzer beater against BFA in the semis with the freshman Josie Schwanier going the length of the court, throwing up a floater with, you know, whatever, two seconds, three seconds left, having it go through the hoop for, a, I think it was 32-30 uh, yes. OT yeah. win. Uh, that was incredible incredible fun um same night oddly enough as uvm's ncaa game so everybody on press row has like a screen <laughs> up sort of keeping an eye on that because they were going on concurrently uh but the, the sort of the action in patrick jim for large tr- chunks of that trumped what was going on uh in milwaukee uh but yeah cvu did it again and yeah who's gonna i mean <laughs> you can bet against uh, yeah, I CVU. I don't know. It's like, crazy. Like, they and they they beat St. Jay, the top seed, three times during the season. Yeah, and the first game I think was nine points or something like that, and the second game there was it was double digits. Yeah, it was. It was so, fourteen or fifteen. I think CVU's size was just a bad matchup for for St. Jay. St. Jay's pretty much five out. Yeah, a lot of guard, like almost all guards, basically. Sadie Stetson plays way bigger than. Five seven guard she, or whatever yeah. she is, if she's if she is five seven, yeah. Uh, but like, if St. Jay's not hitting their outside shots, they're not getting second chances. Not <laughs> not with that front court that CVU has. Not at all. And that's what you saw in the in the championship where. What did um, Shannon Loiseau had double digit rebounds? Yeah. Abby Thut was right there. Uh, you throw Al- Lindsay Albertelli in there, another almost six foot tall girl, and then I think they had one more forward I mean they they for the last three or four years they've had more size than anybody yeah and skilled size too which is almost impossible and they're all coming back except for thought I, I think yes so thought and Marley Gunn who had the uh the two free throws to sort of ice it uh late in, in regulation um but yeah so d1 girls hoops d2 uh you already admitted you didn't see it coming didn't see it coming no the Vikings the Vikings first took title. over the ship First title ever, yeah. Eric, yeah, Eric Barry in his I think this is his fourth year coaching the Vikings, something like that. So, yeah, uh, like that. and I think it was Tom Haley from the uh, 
the Rutland Herald had the anecdote about it being 105th year roughly of girls basketball at Linden, something like that. Yeah, that's amazing that they've had girls basketball yeah. for over 100 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, for didn't see it come about. They were in the mix all year. They were one of the better. They had a very long winning streak. Um, it was 10 plus wins. I can't think 12 or 13 or something like that. And then. And they, they've been in the mix the last couple of years. They have been, yeah. They've the, been very competitive. The, the Barry and stuff. So, yeah. like, it's it, not a surprise that they won. It's just there's three or four other teams that were, like, right there. And what was a surprise was was how they won. Oh, yeah. 40 to 15. Yeah. That was the, They gave up the fewest points in a, D, in a D2 final. Yeah. That had never been done before. 15 points they only gave up to Mill River. That yeah, and and Mill River is the team that usually shuts teams down. Exactly, yeah, or Fairhaven. Like that, they were very defensive-minded. D two this year. D two puts the D in defense. <laughs> Everyone knows it, or they should know it. Uh, D three might have been one of the best games of the probably day. the best game, one of the best yeah. games of the season. Yeah, uh, Thetford wins it dramatic fashion, the final seconds uh, to beat Windsor. Which got an outstanding performance from the uh, the freshman there, Olivia Rockwood. I believe she had thirty points in the final. Yeah, after putting up twenty five in the semis. Yeah, uh, double nickel for her at Barry. Yeah, <laughs> we could be talking about a future Miss Basketball candidate yeah. there, because yeah. uh, that's pretty impressive. Thetford, they've been to the uh, Barry Odd here. This is fourth year, fifth yeah, year in a row. Fourth, I think fourth final in a row. Yeah, I mean they're right there and for a freshman to go and put that number on one of the most consistent contending teams in the States. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, but the Panthers got the ship. Yeah. And they came back. They were down by double digits, I believe. Yeah. Came back and uh, Regan Covey, Covey yep. had the um, game winner with six seconds to go. Kind yep. of sweeping across the lane, left-handed finish off the glass and for, for the win. The uh, That's one of those examples of – a smaller school team playing in a league full of bigger schools, the capital. Yes. Uh, yep. it, Paying and off. it really pays off. I mean, Thetford, the record wasn't as pretty as probably it could have been if they played in the CVL or the Mountain or the, the MVL. No, but, but they played Linden. They played U32. Yep. They played Lamoille. Yep. I mean, they, they played a tough schedule and uh, paid off there. D4, another three-peat. Yeah. MSJ, Mounties. Yeah. Jenna Eaton and the and the clan. They Yeah. They uh took took down uh MVL rival West Rutland again. He with uh Brooke Race who's headed to uh uh Castleton next year. Golden Horde couldn't get it done. The Mounties, they they get the trophy again. And that that was uh basketball. <laughs> and then That's hockey right. was was done done in a blur, done in a shift basically. Jeez, yeah. The ho- whole hockey tournament. A week a week it was based it was what well really it was like nine days right eight or nine eight days eight or yeah. nine days yeah yeah for girls hockey it might have been just one week because they played the night before right yeah i think it actually was seven days for them and yeah. eight for the guys and on the, the girls side there was more history for rutland yeah what a, what a winner for the they broke up the uh broke up the cartel there with uh, bfa and essex the only two teams that have ever won the division one Girls Hockey Championship, that run ended this year with the, with the Raiders. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought you the best chance to do it was Middlebury. Because it hasn't happened. Yeah. But, like, 
in reality, like throughout the the winter, it was those four teams, right, that were right there. After BFA overcame its early struggles, and then they really came on second half of the year. It was like, all right, you got Essex, Mid, Rutland, and BFA. Those yep. are the four teams, and it was the Raiders. Uh, I mean, great performance in goal from uh, Carolyn Laird. Her sister Caitlin Laird had a goal, and uh, yeah, it was Raiders night at Gutterson. Uh, Earlier that evening, uh, we had uh, another bit of history with the Rice girls claiming their first championship as well, beating uh, Missiscoy in Division Two. So uh, pretty pretty cool night there with uh, some stuff we'd never seen before in girls hockey. Yeah, Rice unbeaten in its last 19 games. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Aaron Miller's daughter Grace Miller, one of the um, one of the better defensemen on the team, missed the first two games when they and they lost them both. She comes she comes back for game number three. They don't lose again. That's a that's a yeah, that's a season changer. It is. But <laughs> I was talking to Aaron Miller uh, tonight for Austin hockey stuff, and it seemed like it was like a four, like they had four really good defensemen. Yeah, that wasn't just and that's a luxury at that level. Yeah, big it, time. Would have been another one of those. Would have been cool to see how they fare against uh, Division One because they, I bet they probably could have been the four or the five seed. Yeah, pro- probably five, five at least. Just because the least. four were so strong, I think. And I think the issue with actually we, this came up with Aaron tonight as we're just just talking about uh, girls hockey and I mean they don't have three lines for starters, right? And it, night in night out at that level might be tough. And then they. They might even move up to D one depending on what happens in the off season. Yeah, the VPA. true. And, uh, and it's not up to Rice. It's, it would be up to the VPA, or, or the hockey, the hockey uh, committee, committee, which yeah. is um, an offshoot of the VPA, basically. So. Right. But um, yeah, that Rice team has a lot of really talented players, and a lot of them should be coming back. Right. P- pretty much all. Yeah. For the most part. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, so from two things we'd never seen happen in girls hockey. To something we've seen ha- happen, j- like every other year in boys hockey, what <laughs> feels like BFA on top, and uh, Toby Ducalon's boys back to back record championship number eighteen. Uh, it's pretty incredible to think how they reloaded uh, from it. They lost the state's best line a year ago. I think they combined for like about ninety points. Like, like the the goals. It was, it was just. I think it was like half the team's goals. Just poof, graduated. So I mean, they they spent the entire off season working towards this. You get into January, which was the last time they lost, lost to uh, South Burlington. They finished the season on a two month unbeaten streak, but like even as they were starting to build that that run, they were still a work in progress. And by the time they get to Gutterson. Go figure. Bob Whites are the best team in the state, and they had to beat a uh, a Spalding team that might have had the best line in the state this year. Uh, that came in as the number one seed, and you know it was down to the wire, two one finish. Uh, that you know, I think it was the the uh, Crimson Tide tied it early in the the third period, and then uh, shortly after, Connor Wood netted the winner for uh, for the Bob Whites. And that was was that their fourth meeting of the year? Or yeah, they, which is that's just weird. Yeah, because they they played Spalding played in the Doc Tulip, I think, right in December. Yep. Um, and then they had the two regularly scheduled uh, 
meetings after that. Was that a uh, was that a one one and one situation yeah. in the regular season? Yeah, no, like the goals, four goals against were completely deadlocked. They split uh, two one wins and had a one one tie. And then <laughs> what was the final two one? Two one, yeah. yeah. So, so pretty evenly matched, a- as tight as you figured it would be there. Uh, and it would, it was pretty cool. Sort of feel for uh, Spalding, the school, sort of tough times athletically. Uh, no championships since the last time the boys' hockey team won in uh, 2010. Yeah. So uh, they, they were, oh, so close. So close. But BFA is BFA and does as BFA does. Yeah. Third title since 2012, I believe. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was D1, D2. Probably the best game of the bunch at Gutterson, North Country. Just a classic D2 hockey, <laughs> up and down, up and down, up and down, goals, goals, goals. The Falcons, they pulled it out 4-3 uh, behind a record-setting night from Dana Marsh, the goalie. Uh, just, I mean, <laughs> that was that was a fun one. So, uh, wait a second. You've seen... For, I've seen of, both records. Both records for saves, right? In D1 in, in, in and D2. D1 and D, yep. In D1, it was... Um, Eric Short. Eric the, Short, yeah. The, the double OT game there with uh, Essex and... Or was it triple OT? Uh, I don't... God, it, we're, again, we're in this trap of... <laughs> we're trying to remember games Was that from two years, years ago. ago or three years ago? It was two years ago, 2015. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Marsh finished with 45 saves. Um, and it was... Uh, yeah, it was. It, I think he had over a hundred in the three playoff games, just locked in. It, the, his coach, uh, his coach Ryan Jacobs said it was probably over a hundred and twenty in uh, in the, the the three playoff games. So, quite a run for him. Uh, game winner went to Mitchell Austin with nine minutes to go, but that was after uh, North Country raced out in front and then. Harwood closed the gap, and you're like, "Geez, what are we are we can the the last because the last thing you want in that doubleheader at Gutterson is the first game to go to overtime, <laughs> yeah, because <right. Yeah. laughs> then if that one goes and then the second one goes, you're really up against it." But uh, thankfully, the, uh, the the Falcons goalie Dana Marsh kept everybody off the board, and it was four uh, three. So that that was that was a lot of fun, uh, as it usually is. Uh, but yeah, so that's. Is, have we f- officially recapped I think high so. school championships there? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, well, let's take one more quick break, come back. We'll talk some college hockey, uh, tease some all-state stuff, and get on our way. Okay, Alex. So there is one bit of the winter season still holding on. It's in progress as we're recording here Friday night. Division three men's frozen four from sunny Utica, New York. <laughs> yeah, Norwich men, Norwich cadets. And uh, we just watched it uh, on our computer screens. They, they won an overtime, yeah, four three, so uh, to advance to Saturday's championship game. And we'll we'll have more on that in the next next edition after the whistle, I think. Maybe we can even talk to uh, Coach Mike McShane, get him on the horn. Oh, he'd be great to talk to. Uh, but, yeah, so they, they eked one out in OT, and they're going for what would be, I think, the fourth their championship. Four, their fourth national title and, th- and first since 2010. Yeah, and all this century, right? Yeah, because the first was 2000. Yeah. Or maybe that's last century. 
I, you can go back and forth on that if it's two thousand. Did they decide when they? I don't during Y two K there. No, I don't know. Okay, um, but their first was two thousand. Okay, and then <laughs> I think it was two thousand, two thousand three, and twenty ten. Okay, back when I was just a young man. Yeah, and this is their twelfth appearance in the Frozen Four. Yeah, yeah. You think between them and Middlebury, D three uh, men's hockey's pretty well anchored historically. In Green yeah, Mountain yeah. State. Middlebury has 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 fallen off but but for a while i mean they, they like uh believe it was thursday night they announced the uh, national awards for d3 men's hockey mike mcshane got his record fifth national coach of the year award he elevated himself from a tie with bill beanie oh, there you go so they both had four yeah which is uh that's pretty impressive uh but maybe just jump up to a d1 uvm men's hockey I think in our notes here, I said sort of a, a season of surprises. Yeah, I would say from the, it was a from come, the start, comeback year for them. Yeah, yeah, it, comeback year, but from the start to the middle to the like, it was just up and down and sort of like ever like to start the season with the hazing violation, and then to start the season more or less on fire, and then to be in the mix, you know, back in the in the contention for NCAA tournament spot, and then to go out like they did. Yeah, it was <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde. Type it's a lot of, season. of everything. Um, but like, as Ted Ryan summed up uh, earlier this week in his season-ending column, more or less, it was a successful season for the Catabots. Oh yeah, and totally to get back into the national picture, get and have this offense that you know we hadn't really seen out of Ke- Kevin Stennis' group right before. Right, as, as Ted put it in his season wrap. Ba- I mean, in, in college hockey, the big thing is to get that third goal. Yeah, the team that scores the third goal first just has a significant advantage, and UVM rarely got that third goal in the 2015-16 season. This year, when they got there first, they were 19-1 and three. That's pretty good. 19 of their 20 wins were when they got to that third goal first. So uh, they finished the year 20-13 and five. The last two losses. They sting. Really tough. They sting. Yeah. Get seven swept nothing by BC seven nothing seven four. Yeah. That's a tough way to go out. Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously, you could almost overlook the first night if they force game three. But when it's more of the same, you tough. give up another seven goal. Yeah. yeah. That's, it just, you ship seven goals. Yeah. That's, it's a disappointing finish, but certainly there's a lot to take away. More good to take away from this season. Ton of youth. Yeah. A ton, lot. Of, ten was it? Ten freshmen. I think sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Sounds right when I say it out loud. Uh, say, but, yeah, I say it with conviction. Yeah. Matter of fact, and no one questions you. <laughs> is that how you do it all these years? <laughs> it's, <yeah. laughs> it's, it's that famous George Costanza line from Seinfeld. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen this a lot of that in the news lately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but none of that in the Burlington Free Press Sports section. Never. No. No, no and honestly, never. We're, we don't pedalize. No. And is it still sleeting or whatever outside? Could you tell last time we were we, we looked out the window? I couldn't tell, but on the way into the office today, yeah. Sleeting, hailing. Yeah, winter Snowed just, most of the day. We're trying to send winter packing, and it's just not quitting. Uh the last bits we have coming up, uh, the annual Allstate packages. Oh, yeah. And uh, I know you're, you've are you already started in on the uh, 
the high school girls hockey. I basically team. picked the first and second team. Ooh, it might be some juggling going on. Might be some switcheroos here and there. But and you have a miss hockey. I do, but we're not going to announce that here. In oh, the podcast. okay. Yeah. So they're going to have to wait. She doesn't know yet. The coach does, but she oh, does not know. Okay. Uh, and I still have plenty on my plate with uh, boys hockey and boys basketball, although I think I have some strong leads. Yeah. We're still, oddly enough, still haven't received all of the coaches all league teams. Usually that's done by now. It is. I don't. The girls Metro basketball is still. St- they're still voting as same, of same same for of the today. same for the boys as far as I know. I never heard of such a thing. I thought they do that before the playoffs started. I kind of like it in some ways where they can factor in the playoffs because I think that's important. Yeah, but yeah, but we're not that lucky this year. You, <laughs> who's who's in charge of that voting for the girls? Uh, I, I'm not going to say. I don't want to put them on spot. Okay. All right. I didn't know if she. Was, I, I didn't know if she was uh, celebrating a bit too much. No, no, it's not Uda. Okay. But it, it's all it's all the Metro coaches because they all have to vote. So it's up to each individual coach to get the votes in to True. the uh, to the rep. True. And so it's Friday night, March twenty fourth. Tomorrow we have the uh, Rotary All Star Hockey Classic with the Senior All Star Game. Yep. And then as well in uh, Windsor, we have the annual uh, quadruple header. Vermont Basketball Coaches Association Senior All-Star Games. One more day basketball. One more day and a lot of basketball. But, yeah, you got, you got four games and then you have um, a three-point three contest. Point, three point contest yeah. Sometimes an informal slam dunk contest. If you have enough guys, you can dunk. Right. Uh, well, we know Enosburg has a couple, Yeah. Uh, among others. Okay, so I think that just about does it. Let's get out. Good night, Winter. <laughs> <laughs>